0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder 6 Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving a recap of the Thunder Chicago Bulls game. Now, just going into this, you did not have the services from Lou Dort, Darius Bazley, or Al Horford. Once again, kind of like a, you know, why would you rest Al Horford? Dagnall kind of marked it up as like, looking back seems to do better when he has a lot of rest, that makes sense, but you know, never know there, and then with Dort and Baisley, they're just hurt, so you had to roll out another kind of makeshift lineup, you had Shea Gojic-Alexander, Teo Maladone, Alexey Pokachevsky at the starting three, Isaiah Roby inserted at that power forward spot, and Moses Brown rounding it out at the five, so just starting the game wasn't amazing, they got to an early eight to two deficit, And when the offense was rolling, it was due to Shea Godis-Alexander. He had seven of the team's first 11 points. And he started finding Moses Brown down low. So he was dominant when it came to under the rim. I'll talk about him a little bit later. But he kept getting the baskets, and it's really just SGA and Moses Brown show. And they shot pretty well for the quarter. They shot 48%, but it could not even come close to what Chicago was doing. They weren't missing a single shot in the quarter, 64% 64% just absolute clinic you can't really do much about that so they were able to kind of try their hardest they had a good shot like I think offensively they did a pretty good job the uh the Thunder did but it couldn't really match them they ended up getting outscored by double digits in the first quarter only had 28 points while the Chicago Bulls they had 42 digits on the board so in the second you kind of need to bump up your production a lot and they did that they had a 12-3 run really it was kind of just stirred up by Kenrich Williams I think he did a great job you know it was kind of like Hamid Diallo before he got moved was that guy to start the second Looks like Kendrick Williams has kind of been doing that job. And there is this duo of Ty Jerome and Williams kind of forming. So Jerome, he has that instinct. He knows exactly when Williams is cutting and if it's a good pass. Always makes it on the money. And that results to some shots. And, you know, when they're caving in, Williams can actually step out and hit the jumpers as well. So you got the game back down to single digits relatively fast. And they kept. Going at it. They were chomping right down at the lead. Next thing you know, you get a pair of Justin Jackson buckets. One of them was one of his floaters. Hit two free throws. And then Moses Brown jammed a putback dunk. Three point game. And then not too long after that, they get in a situation where they can take the lead. They find Kendrick Williams in the right corner. He makes it. So they take the lead back. But then Chicago, they fought back. And they fought back in a big manner. They ended up taking back a double-digit lead by the end of that half luckily shago just alexander hit a buzzer beater so it was only 71 to 63 but you know you still had a lot of ground to cover there and really it's because zach Levine was just going off he had 40 points in the first half and going into that second half he continued and this is kind of where the game got a little bit out of hand You had Shea, you had Moses Brown really dominating. But when Zach Levine gets hot, he's one of the very few players in the NBA where when he is hot, you can double team him, you can triple team him. It's never going to phase him. And like with Shea, I feel like you double team him, he'll still be able to kind of get around the defense. However, I think it's more of like you, if you like double him or triple team him up top, he's not going to be able to make anything work out. Zach Levine, he thrives under that kind of defense. He has become such an elite three-level scorer. He will penetrate. He will shoot the mid-range. I mean, the pull-up jumpers that he were he was just, like, getting out of nowhere was off the charts, and from three, he's blistering hot. So he actually had 20 points in the third quarter alone, and that's kind of where you start reaching, like, the breaking point. So they were able to get the lead up in the 20s, and by the end, of the third, they were up 23 points, so 102-79, to 79. and Mark Dagnall at that point was just throwing out some of the second unit players and some of the young guns, so we're not able to really finish off the deal. They did a good job. The um, The Bulls actually did not even outscore the Thunder. They they were down 21-23 in the fourth alone, so that's how you could kind of tell the Thunder bench unit was, actually playing a pretty solid game. But the thing that I really wanted to talk about in this one was Moses Brown. Now, Moses Brown probably had, well, it's not even a probably. He had the best game of his career, and he probably had the best single performance out of here. And, you know, Zach Levine, we're talking here, had 40 points. So it's a hard sell, but I actually think Moses Brown probably did the best out of anyone here. He had 20 points. 16 rebounds in five blocks across 30 minutes of play he's got to be the starter in the future right like you can't just have that performance and bench him for al orford you can't do it just like how pokachevsky had his 23 point game if Basley came back what's gonna be the sell there and if Dort came back too like are you really gonna be able to move him back that fast i don't know now, Pokaczewski wasn't amazing. He actually only had four points on two of nine. That's not the point. Like, you can't just move someone that young once they have a career night like this. And I don't think it's any different with Moses Brown. It's definitely not any different with Moses Brown. He was unstoppable. And there was actually a point in this game where he had a string of four offensive rebounds. This is a G League special. This is a tip drill. You saw this so, so much when he suited up for the OKC Blue. Just grab it throw it up, it hits the backboard, hustling over two guys, there's two guys fighting over it, rips it back, up, repeat, 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 until you finally get the basket to go, and it wasn't just one play, he had a four offensive rebound stretch, and I think he also had like one that had two or three involved, where he hammered it home, and a lot of his makes just come right around the rack, throw down two-handed standing, dunks, he cocks it back for emphasis at times too, and it's because Shea is so great at just working in the pick and roll. We know that. We saw it with Al Horford, but he's never had the speed necessarily. And Roby gives it to you, but he doesn't have the size. Moses Brown gives you the size, like seven foot two, two forty five. This guy is stocky. It looks like he's wearing short shorts when, in all reality, this guy probably is wearing some humongous shorts. He just gets the ball right off these dishes, and he's just left with a wide open rim. And he's so good at pump faking so so good he grabs it looks up maybe moves it up a little bit gets the ball up gets the defender jumping goes right around him and is able to slam it home with pretty much nobody to stop him and in the post he was moving everybody around so it's no surprise that he was putting up this kind of production and this is only the second time in franchise history you saw this kind of night where someone had 20 points 15 rebounds and five blocks in a game, the only other guy to do it, Serge Ibaka, and I know for a fact he was not doing it at age 21, I forgot what the timeline was on Ibaka, but I don't even think he was really playing until like a playoff, like the back end of, um, I don't know, what year was it, I think whenever they played the Lakers, but yeah, that's, that's not the point, anyways, I mean, Brown's doing this at age 21, Ibaka was probably doing this a little bit later than that, it's ridiculous, man, and this was the game, ideally, where he was going to do this, like, he was going up against a Chicago Bulls team where they didn't actually have, like, a true center, they had Laurie marketing kind of taking those services for the most part, and marketing is, like, seven feet tall, but he's definitely not comfortable in that position, he's a stretch four that's kind of apparent, they had Wendell Carter Jr., who, you know, I say is more of that five, but they don't have the size and this was like the closest thing to a g-league team you were ever gonna see this year so he made them look like g-leaguers and it's because they can't match the fact that they're seven foot two and mark dagnault said that you know the difference between a seven footer and someone who's seven two is gigantic and with teams going small ball having a guy like moses brown is such just a gigantic advantage and the downside is you know someone who's seven foot two is not gonna be that mobile and you're gonna get cooked by these small ball players well that's not necessarily true this guy is super duper fast this guy is a gazelle when navigating through the lane so that's not the issue i'd say the issue probably comes when it comes to like a pick and roll whenever someone goes for a runner he just kind of stands there he doesn't really go high enough to really impact a shot and if he goes up for a swat he's not close enough to really do much about it. So that's the only downside with him. I will say that, you know, he's actually able to combat that very well because he's definitely a lot faster than a guy like Al Horford. So he plugs in with a team like the Thunder who is in desperate need of a future big man. Moses Brown is the perfect guy for that bill. So he plugged right in and Look, I mean, if you guys want to hear about this guy, you just got to check every single blue recap that I did, because this is really what he was doing, and it's the same stuff with him, and the only question mark coming into his move to the Thunder was, is he going to be able to translate when it comes to his style, because his style was so, I'm not going to say like erratic, but it was just straight up bully ball, like he's so much bigger than everybody else. and. He, it looked like he didn't even have to work for it. And he definitely was working for it. He just makes things look a little bit too easy that you start getting suspicious. So he did the exact same thing here. And one of his best traits was just getting offensive rebounds, really. He had eight in this game. That's about where he was looking at some of the other ones. Anyways, like, he just made it look easy. And the deal was, yeah, he can do it right now. But when he starts playing against the big, refined centers in this league, how is, how is he going to be able to contest with them and I'd say this one definitely is like a you know they didn't have a center per se so you could see why he dominated but even in games prior where there were real centers he was playing very very good so he definitely does translate to the next level with his style of play and with Shea being so heavy in terms of wanting to drive he's leading the league in drives right now you need someone to pair up with in the pick and rolls now he has a pick and pop guy he has two of them really in al horford and mike muscala now mike muscala has just been phased out of the roster because of how much of an impact moses brown has had and al horford out of the i think they're probably gonna another vacation i mean you might as well seeing has Mo- moses brown is looking like a monster right now but those are your pick and pop guys roby i guess gives you a little bit more of a blend but they didn't have a number one option for the pick and roll. Moses Brown is the number one option for the pick and roll. He's not going to pop for you, but he does a very good job at rolling to the basket. So he's going to set you the screen. If you try to stick on your man, you know Moses Brown is going to give you an impact. So SJ will have a step and that's going to lead to a, an easy layup or a, a kick out. You know, we've seen it <laughs> way too many times. And if they want to switch that's great they try to you know double him actually once he gets down to the baseline but he's so good at just pump faking getting a little bit of room whether he wants to take it or slip it in he's been slipping it in a lot for these little drive and dish scenarios and Moses Brown is going to really give you impact every single time that you're doing that so he gets a lot of freebies based off of how SGA's doing things but it's how he operates that gives him the looks Like, if you had an Al Horford, those plays would never be happening because by the time Moses Brown is at, like, the painted area, SGA is just getting to the baseline. Like, he's matching stride for stride SGA on some of these plays, and that's how it works. With Al Horford, it'd never be like that. So he gets driven down to the baseline, and once he's going for a kickout, Al Horford's not going to be in his range. He's not going to be in his peripheral. So it's either going to be a really discombobulated pass where it's not getting where... It's supposed to. But if he gets the pass off, the defenders are gonna have enough time to compensate on it, and it's not gonna be a good look. Moses Brown makes it work. He gives you the best of both worlds in that regard. So that's what he's used for. And I think defensively, like seven foot two, seven foot four wingspan, what else could you be asking for? And I mean, fouling was a serious problem with the blue and he's he's actually fixed it very well. And there was a time in this game where He had two fouls already. He kind of had two quick fouls, had to get pulled, comes back in. First play, he ends up stuffing a shot, and they ruled it a block. Or they didn't rule it a block, my bad. They called it a shooting foul. Mark Dagnall. he used a challenge on that, won that, so he gets a block off of that. But all five of these are like, the bulls were just trying to impose their will on this guy. So they're looking at him like, this guy's way too stocky. Let me try to posterize him. And there were a couple plays where they were able to actually get some Pretty good standing dunk posters. I think Wendell Carter actually backed down Brown, kinda gave him his own kind of treatment. Where push him back, slam it in, did it once. All the other times, it was not gonna work. So they're trying to they're gonna try their hardest to get on sports center. Moses Brown is the guy who's gonna be getting on sports center. So joke is completely on them. He backfired it on their faces. And it's because I mean this guy stays pretty vertical for the most part. And when someone's skying up, like I'm giving him way too much time. He doesn't have to go that far to get a block up. So he's very good, and, you know, he's not like a a traditional center where he's not jumping up. Like, he will be able to get up there with you, and that also helps in terms of getting the rebounds. Anyways, I mean, he's just such a diverse player, and, you know, Sam Presti has kind of done it again. He's so good at uncovering these two-way players, and he did it with Dort. Some of the other guys that you saw go through the program, such as Deontay Burton, I know he didn't pan out exactly as people expected him to. I thought he kind of deserved another chance. Looks like he's just playing basketball in uh, Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen from his Instagram stories. He's not playing at any professional level right now. Maybe he's just kind of recouping for a uh, return at some point, but yeah, he didn't really pan out amazing, but you know, I thought he was alright, definitely thought he was worth more time, at least when Billy Donovan was playing random guys over him, but anyways, you had him, you have Dort, who was an excellent pick, I know that P.J. Dozier is a pretty good role player for the Denver Nuggets right now, we had him in one of the first or second years that two-way contracts were a thing, you had Daniel Hamilton, he had a one-year contract with the Atlanta Hawks, didn't work out. Now he's probably playing in Europe or something, but a lot of hits that you have. And I think Moses Brown is definitely one of them. You need to get him on a rookie scale contract. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I think everyone kind of knows that at this point, we don't know about Josh Hall. Like Josh Hall has not proven anything, but Moses Brown. Oh yeah, man. He is not just a guy that you give a final spot. He is going to be a problem and And if it's not going to be in the starting unit, it's definitely going to be in the bench. Because I don't see NBA teams at least going on into the future having a ton of gigantic players. And if they are gigantic, they're not really going to be that built up. It's going to be more of these like demigod players. And you see it like six foot ten forwards, like point forwards. That's what you're looking at now. And the centers. You know you have the rudy go bears right now where they're straight up rim protectors but they're coming becoming a little bit more difficult to get i would say and i think up against the top tier centers right now maybe he'd give you a test like i i don't think he's had a genuine top center to battle yet when he does that's when you're really gonna see how he stacks up but right now i mean you put him against a traditional dude he's gonna be cooking up on them and I think that's just a no-brainer at this point he was even taken on whenever he was taking on Wendell Carter he looked very comfortable going up in the post against him and Wendell Carter definitely has a bit more muscle than Moses Brown does you would think he has more strength wasn't able to really move him a ton when he was backing him when Brown was trying to back him down in the post and he was not able to get up in time for any of his sky hooks so he is the full package in terms of what you're looking for in a prototype like back to basket big I would say And rim protector-wise, yeah, he's not the, you know, stereotypical guy where he's all burly and he just looks menacing. But it doesn't matter because he gets the job done. And I think even if you were to do that, if you get him all juiced up where he is like 15, 20 pounds bigger, just have straight muscle, how much are you going to lose from the rebounding side of things because I think that is really what makes him such a special guy if it wasn't for his eight offensive rebounds you're looking at a game where he's probably not getting like anywhere over 12 points that's where he gets most of his time he gets it from working off the offensive rebounds and you know of course where he just slams it in but he creates a lot of his own shots surprisingly and if he's not able to be all jumpy I don't know if you're gonna see that same kind of stuff from him and I don't know I think you kind of need to treasure that there's not many bigs that you've seen do this I don't think I've seen a single center for the Thunder franchise kind of do the stuff that Moses Brown did and if you just look at the resume I don't know if there's gonna be a highlight video because of how little content was produced for the G League this year but if there's a highlight reel of Moses Brown I highly suggest you watch it because it's exactly what you saw in this game and even in games prior but he's just going to be the guy in terms of pick and rolls and I think for the remainder of the season he's going to be getting a a crap ton of minutes like before we saw this first half begin I had the rotation thing and I had him as like uh he deserves the minutes but the problem is going to come with Al Horford and Muscala if they get traded yeah he'll have some sturdy job but until then I didn't think so they already gave him a shot and you can't just shoot him down he just continues to keep going and going we'll see what happens with the trade deadline but I think he's just overtaking Mike Muscala and that's just how it's going to be I think that probably means Muscala's out the door but whatever he definitely is uh he's done enough so he's gonna be working way past just the remaining season he's going to be with us for a while there's no way you give up on somebody after you see a performance like that so Moses Brown yeah he's going to be sticking around but you need to get the rookie deal on books how are you going to do that probably going to come from a guy like Trevor Ariza now Trevor Ariza he is going to be in some deal you would say like almost a lock now because we got A tweet from Kevin O'Connor, I believe, who said that the Miami Heat were actually interested in picking him up. I'll probably go more into this tomorrow, but I guess it's going to be more of like a a double day because I will be getting this out a little bit later than usual. Anyways, he was kind of hinting at the fact that they were discussing a deal where Oklahoma City got a second, and there were multiple teams, so he's going to get shipped off for second round pick and probably just a random guy who can fill out the roster. You can probably waive him and you just get Moses Brown. And now you have a two-way contract. So don't be scared. This is kind of like the Lou Dort thing where you're freaking out about it. Maybe he just takes it to the route where he plays him. He can play him as much as he wants this season. But until the deadline where you need to pick people up, he's probably going to be on a two-way contract just like Lou Dort. And then you make your decisions. So he's good to go. Anyways, just moving on from some of the players. I know I was talking about Moses Brown so much because this really is more of a spotlight for him. The the uh, the recap was more of a facade anyways, but outside of him, you had people like Shea Godis Alexander who had a really good game too. I mean, one point higher, 21 points on the day, 10 of 17 from the floor, one rebound and one assist. So not used to seeing that from him and you're kind of hyping up the driving dishes that much. Yeah, only had to do it one time in this game, but he was still getting out and about when it came to trying to find open players. So I thought he did a pretty solid job in this game. He was really kind of creating a lot of offense, even off his misses. That's where he saw Moses Brown kind of working too. Just a lot of inside shots. He wasn't shooting threes. Only one try, didn't go in. And from the line, he only had one attempt. So very awkward game from him I thought he made the best of it didn't need to see him in that fourth quarter it's kind of already predetermined you're not gonna risk anything with him when the stakes are you know not that high and you want you kind of secretly want to be stacking up odds because the current state of things Oklahoma City's not going to be in the hunt for a top five pick they're gonna have really slim odds at best so yeah I guess it definitely makes sense for him Not to be seen much of the floor. Isaiah Roby had 11 points. I thought, you know, he always is very, very good. Had his time really through quarters one through three. But the fourth quarter was kind of where he came out of his shell and was doing his best. He was very, very active on defense. Pogachevsky, as I said, two of nine. They didn't really look towards him at all to begin the game. That was kind of a surprise to me. I think he only had one try in the whole entire first quarter you'd think after a game like he had you would just be force feeding him and seeing if you could find much success didn't find much and that's just going to be the the way of things with him he uh he had two threes i remember one of them left wing overshot it like crazy and second shot just couldn't fall in so didn't have it all there he had eight rebounds and an assist though in his 29 minutes and then maladone little bit shaky too he's kind of having one of his more downward weeks three of ten for his eight points four rebounds and three assists off the bench you're starting to see Darius Miller get real rotational minutes so he's kind of taking it away from Mike Muscala actually and he had a crazy night in the last game didn't repeat it here O of three three points on all free throws two assists and two steals, Justin Jackson, floater specialist, pretty much where he got all four of his made field goals, had 10 points, got to the line twice, that's where he got all that from, and then he had two rebounds, Kenrich Williams has been just great, I think he had 17 in the last game against Memphis, this game, 14 points on six of nine, shooting five rebounds and four assists, you plug him in anywhere and he's going to produce for you, and The thing is, like, with that contract, he is very movable. And I think teams are starting to see how great he could be. Now, I think Sam Presti knows he could be very great. And I don't know if the ceiling is crazy, but, you know, the current state of him, he would be an amazing addition to any championship contender for the next three years. And you see guys like Robert Covington garnering two first-round picks you don't put him in that same bracket but this is a budget guy like I feel like GMs have been making tons of calls about him because they're seeing him as like a potential Robert Covington player one of the best defenders on the NBA when you look at second units right now and just in general he still finding himself in some major categories when it comes to advanced stats so GM's definitely have been calling and trying to make some persuasive pitches I feel like all of them have been shot down you know second round picks have been in the equation already second round picks are probably not going to do it for Kendrick Williams you got to be looking at a first and teams want to trust try to find a home run before he goes mainstream and he's not gone mainstream yet because the Thunder are so just underground as a team right now like no one probably knows Pokicheski had 23 points no one knows Moses Brown had you know 20 points and 16 rebounds so a little bit wild but yeah there's definitely been some inquiries and I don't think Sam Presti would deal him unless there's a real real offer to be had but he definitely does have some value and if he gets to the point where you want to keep building Kendrick Williams he would be great in our timeline and if we knew that we could get a contract from him in the future oh yeah you would definitely keep him around but you never know man with him he's golden, he'd be great with anybody, but 14 points, no surprise to see, and then Ty Jerome had a pretty solid game, 11 points and 3 assists, 4 of 7 shooting, 2 of 3 from downtown, he is shooting it from way, way back every single time, when people aren't stepping up, he's going to be taking it, and he's just kind of sitting around there, I think people kind of just think, because of where he's at, he's just kind of scouting out the other aspects of the court but he'll shoot it and once he starts shooting that's when defenders start taking him seriously and that's when he kills you with the pass very very deadly pretty wild to look at the final stat sheets because the way that the game was flowing you would have never known this but they actually didn't have 20 assists in the game they only had 16 and the reason it looks like they had a lot more was because of the offensive rebounds. Specifically from my man Moses Brown. He was damn near passing to himself every single time he got one of these. There were 13 overall for the team. But he had 8 of them. Pretty wild. And he almost out-rebounded them offensively. I believe in the the first half or something. I think they only had... It was either in the first, was either in the first quarter or first half. But I know Moses Brown had 5 at one point. The Bulls had 6 end of this the Bulls had 12 so they were able to kind of match things up I just think it's so ridiculous what Moses Brown was doing for them they had 24 assists Levine was just a one-man show though with his 40 points behind him Lori Markkinen was solid 22 points and that young been a fantasy gym 17 points nine rebounds and six assists so they get that W, they move up to 18 and 20, while well, OKC, okay, they are 17 and 23, moving on to their next game, you know, they may want to keep falling a little bit, but I th- I kind of really enjoy this flow that we have been seeing from the team, like, they are, you know, they're just trying to get as many young guys involved, and Darius Baisley's not here, and Lou Dort's not here, but it's still very fresh watching these guys, like, This was a game where I did not want to miss a single second. Like, I was like, I need to watch this. Like, this is going to be a fun one. All the young guys are playing. This never really happens, even though it happened against the Grizzlies. I'm like, I need to see this. And, you know, I was not let down whatsoever. Probably the most fun games I've watched. Poka having 23. And then Moses Brown having a 20.16 rebound. Five block outing. Kind of hard to rank those, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, it's lovely seeing all these guys coming from the OKC Blue just make it look too easy moving on up to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I'm going to say, you know, I kind of, I'm not going to say I called it because I definitely recall saying that like Moses Brown may have some struggles trying to adapt to the next level. But I do distinctly remember saying he would try to play like this and you know he has and he has looked amazing he's just shut down every single person who has been doubting him and moving on you may seriously consider him as a starter over al horford i don't think they do that because they're definitely trying to spike up his trade value we don't even know if he's gonna be playing down the line because they play on thursday against the hawks if he's not playing against the hawks for rest I'm almost just going to assume that they're trying to line up a trade. I'll give him a pass for this game, but from now on, it's like he is on red alert. If there's anything more suspicious going on, oh yeah, we are going to tag him down. There's definitely something that you could see with him. With Trevor Ariza and George Hill, they're probably going to be gone, as I've said, and Muscala. Maybe even him as well. So There's a lot of different people to be monitoring, but just looking at the team Like The active ball that we're seeing, it is so, so refreshing. I'm absolutely loving what I am seeing from the squad, but make sure to tune in tomorrow, guys, or today, depending on when this is posted. A little bit of a late-night podcast for you all, but yeah, stay tuned for that because I will be talking about the next game and kind of some other stuff that has been going on. But other than that, though, that is going to do it for me. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.